Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. Turn in your Bibles with me if you could today to Isaiah 55. We're going to come around the Word of God today. Isaiah 55. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. And I'm reading from the NIV. It should come up on the screen as well. We welcome those listening live or uh, who've downloaded the podcast. We're at Isaiah 55 uh, and verse 1. It says this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Verse 2, why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me. And eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander to the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire. And achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of the briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown. For an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Amen. When I was reading this, it reminded me, if any of you used to go to church many years ago, an old classic song, the fields will clap their hands, the trees in the fields will clap their hands, and we'll go out with joy. Come on, we, two people got it anyway. And I, I, I was singing that, and I ended up singing it with the children the other day, and, and they're like, Dad, how on earth can fields and trees clap their hands? Come on. And I'm like, you've got to, it's a metaphor, it's a metaphor. But I, I want to talk to you today, uh, the title of this message is, The Real Deal. The Real Deal. I want to talk to you about what God is speaking to, to his people in Isaiah 55, about coming to him and buying from him with a thirsty and hungry heart for the things that he has in store for you in your lives. How many of you know that uh, when God wants to give you something, he doesn't ask for payment. He wants to give it you free. In fact, the biggest debt that you were paid was the sin in your life. How many of you know that if he cleared the biggest debt, then he's capable of doing anything for you? 
Come on. If he's, if he's capable of, 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 of annihilating the, the, your sin and getting rid of it and throwing it into the sea of forgetfulness, and it's as far as the east is from the west, how many of you know today that if he's capable of clearing the debt, then he can do anything for you? But some of us sometimes in our walk, we get into this, this kind of place where we feel that we have to almost buy God back. That we almost have to prove something to him in order to get something from him. And I've got some good news for you today. God has a deal for you. It's unlimited. By the way, he, he works, it says, in an, in an everlasting covenant. Do you know, I love that about God. He's not looking for payment. He's, he says, I've got a covenant with you. Come on, who knows that today? You're in a covenant with a God who says it's everlasting. Hallelujah. And so I know today that, that, that the deal that he gives me, it's unlimited. The deal he gives me is an everlasting covenant. He says this in, in verse 3, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. Come on. Look at David's life. He was a God. He, he was a man after God's own heart. However, the, look at the stuff that he did. I mean, the adultery that he had with Bathsheba, the things he did. If he can fail, but yet he can still give him a covenant. Come on. Some of you right now are in a place of failure. You're in a place where you feel you've let God down. You've let people down. And so you feel the enemy comes in and says, you can't have what you used to have. You can't have the level of what you used to have. But I got some good news for you today. That no matter what you've done, no matter who you are and you think you are today, God has a covenant with you. And it's a deal that's like no other deal offered to you in the world today. Come on. Hallelujah. It's the real deal. I've got news for you today. God is fully committed to you. Did you know that? He is fully committed to you. Whether you're committed to him is another thing. But I've got news for you. When you're not sometimes and you're unfaithful to God, you let God down. He is a faithful God. And he is committed to you. Hallelujah. Our currency today is expectancy. When we have expectancy for a God, I said it earlier, that we have faith in the things that we don't see. So sometimes you've got to say to yourself, I'm not seeing this change. I'm not seeing the victory yet. I'm not seeing God come through, through for me yet. But I believe. I, I believe because he has a covenant with me. He has a deal with me. And he signed that deal with his blood. Jesus, come on. I'm so thankful. It's not a contract that's got some clauses in it. The, the, the kind of he gets a loophole and says, well, you messed up, so let's just look at the clause. I mean, look at the government at the moment. Everyone's trying to find these loopholes. He doesn't find loopholes. It's the real deal. No deal. No, it's the real deal. The real deal. And he doesn't change his mind. When he says it, he's going to do it. And he's going to do it over your life. Some of you right now are going through situations and stuff that is happening in your life. And, and the devil is trying to get you to question whether God will come through. He's trying to challenge you and rock your life. But I've got news for you. God, when he says he's going to do something, his covenant cannot be broken. You see, I don't look at what's happening. Sometimes it affects me. Sometimes I say the wrong things and I do the wrong things and I think I've slipped up, but it's because my flesh, my eyes are looking at the wrong thing. But I have to turn back to God and say, God, it's your covenant I'm focusing on, not people. I'm not looking at people. People fail you. God never fails. Come on. God never fails. Don't allow your situation to drown your expectation.
Don't allow it. Don't allow the situation, no matter how big it is right now, no matter what is happening, you feel like you're drowning, you're just keeping your head above the water. Listen to me. Do not let your situation drown your expectation. Hallelujah. You know, the other day, I've never been to this place before. My son loves sushi. And he took me to the sushi bar in Cambridge, your sushi. What an experience. I went on Super Monday, which is apparently the day to go when everything's a bit cheaper. And we went in there. We, we waited 35, 40 minutes to get a table. And I kept all the way through the 35, 40 minutes. I was looking at the prices and I'm trying to talk him into McDonald's instead because it's far cheaper. But no, we've got to have sushi. We've got to have sushi. So we queued, we waited, we get the table. You see, I, I'm used to going to a restaurant and you order your things and you get it and it comes and that's it. It's done. Eat your meal, Go. This is different. We're in a new generation. New cultures are coming in. And I sat there and I said, well, so my son, who's 11 years old, is telling me what to do. Like, what do we do then? He said, you just got to pick up the plates and then you pay at the end. Ah. Oh. So where he goes, is it? And then I said, why is all the different colors? And he shows me on the thing, you got different colors. Blue one is the cheapest today because it's blue, super blue Monday. Like, stick to the blue, son. But dad, look at the purple one. Oh. The purple one came by and it did look good. Well, it's going to look good, isn't it? And I'm sat there and I'm looking at all these colored plates and my son's like, oh, look at that. And then I saw my son very quickly got into just grabbing. He says, can I take one, dad? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take one. So he takes one off. He starts eating it. These things, you eat them so fast. He'd only just opened the thing up. The thing's gone. Do you know what was happening in my mind? I was trying to enjoy some last momentary time with my son before he goes to school and starts secondary school. And I was trying to, so I'm, tr- I'm trying to think, I, wanna, I want him to enjoy himself. But at the same time, I couldn't get it out of my mind. Every time he took a blue plate, cha-ching, cha-ching. Thinking, please stop taking the blue plates. Now the, 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 the thing that was great about the visit was that the manager came up to me and he said this to me. He said, a little tip for you if you're going to use sushi. And if you work there, this is what I spotted. He said, what do you want to drink, sir? And I said, I'd like tap water, please. <laughs> tap water. Do you know there's a difference in a restaurant? If you ask for tap water, it's free. Don't ask for bottled water. Tap water's good enough. Tap water, please. And do you know what? He realized he got all flummoxed. You know, these people have got it all together, but he got a bit flummoxed. He realized that we don't have the system to bring tap water. We have our own taps on here that you pay pound fifty for unlimited water. So he looked at me and he said, uh, you just, just drink from that one. I'll give it you free. I was like, thank you. And my son as well. Yes, you can both drink for free. The fountain of free water. For wa- do you know, that's the only thing that kept me going. I got free water. And it's triple filtered. My son said, can I have the sparkler? I said, well, he said free, so drink as much as you like. It's on me, son. And so we, we sat there and I, I was just counting the plates. And then it eventually he said, daddy, what about this? I said, that's enough now. Put your chopsticks down. We've got to stop somewhere. I'll get you a bar of chocolate on the way home. That'll fill you up. In fact, I got a bowl of chips just to make sure it was full by chips. <laughs> but you know, the thing is this, joking aside, in the kingdom of God, the, the thing is sometimes what we do is we, the, God asks us to come and to buy from him and to, to eat and drink from him of the things he has for us. But sometimes we think it comes at a cost. And sometimes we don't ask. We don't ask God to come through for us and to bring us the victory we want. And so we, we have this mentality that it costs something. I, I've got to just introduce you back to what it says at the very beginning. It says this, come all you are thirsty. You've got to come without money. Without cost. Without money. And without cost. It doesn't cost you because he paid for it for you. He, the, the, the Bible talks, Paul talks about reigning in life. I always love that when he says that, that term reigning in life. I, think, I wish I could reign like you're talking about. But God gives us the ability through his grace and his empowerment to reign 
in life. Hallelujah. And it does not cost us money. When I saw that free water come in, I thought, wow, isn't it good when you get something free? Unlimited. Have you noticed when you go to these places, all you can eat buffet? People get their eyes light up. But you can only eat so much. And they know that. And I've got some news for you today. What God has done for you, what his life he has for you is an all-you-can-eat buffet. You can eat and drink from him. You come to the fountain of life. It's never-ending. It's never-ending. Look, if you're in a situation or circumstance that you can't solve yourself, you come to the one who has an unlimited supply. And, and let me tell you, when I got the bill at the end of that meal, and the lady, a lady came to me, not the one who would offer me the water, and she gave me the bill, and I looked at the bill, and the water was charged. I said, hang on. You stop. I said, that guy over there, I'm trying to point the guy out in all this, that guy said I had free water. She said, I need to check that. She ran across and she checked it and she came out. She said, yes, she did. He did. He said, you can have free water. I realized something. When God says a promise to you in your life, you better hold on to that promise. Don't let the devil, don't let any other voices tell you differently. The tendency is for me to say, actually, do you know what? Forget it. I know he might have said it, but actually, I'm just going to pay for this. But I recognize that if someone says it, If someone says it in authority, then I'm going to remind them. And the devil has got a good play on you sometimes of trying to tell you something that's not true. But you've got to remind the devil that God said this. His promises are what? Yes and amen. Hallelujah. So if he said it, he's going to do it. Amen. Now, some of us are still not there yet. We're still, well, you don't understand my situation. Listen, God is in the business of providing for you. Do you know that? He's in the business. The Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh, the provider. If we look at the feeding of the 5,000 as an example, just one example of Jesus' ministry and how he loves to make sure people are looked after. He didn't just go around healing people. He didn't just go around healing deaf ears. He made sure people had what they needed. In Matthew chapter 14, 15, it says this. The disciples said to Jesus, when they got to this place where there's these multitudes of people who are all hungry, it says, this, they said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. This is the followers of Jesus. It's a remote place and it's already getting late. This, they instruct Jesus to do this. Send the crowds away. So they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. They're advising Jesus to get rid of everyone. To let them rely on their own ability with their own money. And Jesus' response is, no, 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 no. These people, I want to feed them. I don't care whether it's a remote place. I don't care whether it's late in the day. I've got news for you today. That some of you right now, you're in a remote place. You're in a place where everything, the, 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 the position you're in is so remote, you'd say, we've got to look at another alternative. We've got to look at another alternative because this place is not a good place. They said, this is a remote place. Then they said, it's late in the day. Let me tell you, some of you are not just in a remote place. The timing is out. Oh, it's late. It's not a good time right now. You you know, I don't feel God coming through for me. Listen to me. It doesn't matter whether it's a remote place. It doesn't matter what the timing's like. God breaks through remote places. He gets into time and he deals with it for you. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Don't give up yet. Don't send them away. These people are hungry. We can feed them. How are you going to do that? It's more than a year, half a year's wages. How are you going to do that? Listen to me. And he instructs them what to do. John chapter 6 verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. He says this in John chapter 6. He says, have the people sit down. And then it says, there was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. Do you know what, I, if I have a look at these miracles and I think about it, some of we, we just think that 
they kind of got out the speaker system and made an announcement. Said, everyone, we need your attention. Can everyone, I know you're all hungry, but can you just sit down? They didn't have a tannoy. They didn't have that kind of ability. So the disciples listened to Jesus and have to listen to an instruction to go around all these people first just to at least get them to sit down. But no, God, I want my miracle now. I want it now. If you said it, God, that you can feed these people, then just do it right now. Make bread rain down from heaven like you did before. Come on, you can do it, God. No, no, no. You've you've first got to listen to me. You've got to have patience with me. Even though you think this is a bad place, listen to me. Even though you think this is a remote place and the timing's out, listen, there's plenty of grass. Do you know something? The grass is always greener on the other side for you. You're always looking at where the grass is greener. But listen, the Bible says there was plenty of grass. Places to sit. They just had to have the faith to tell people and go around and say, excuse me, I know that you're hungry, but can you just sit down? Uh, but where are we going to get the food? Just trust me. Just, just trust me. Sit down. Now, how can you say there's no food? Just trust me. Listen to me. When you are empty, there's always some, something plentiful that God will use. And he says, go tell them to sit down on the grass. Hallelujah. Stop telling yourself this is a remote place. Say, I've got grass and it's green. I don't need any other grass. Do you realize that when you believe like this, there's always a place for grace. A place where God can do his work in your life. You have to make the place for it. There's plenty of grass. I've got news for you today that in your poverty, God has plenty. In your inadequacy, God is sufficient. Hallelujah. In your dissatisfaction, God is perfection. Oh, I'm I'm dissatisfied with the result. No, 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 no. He is perfect in every way. And so when I go through these seasons, I've got to tell myself, look, the devil's trying to tell me this is a remote place, the timing's out, but now I'm going to see things differently. There's plenty of grass. Do you realize it took faith for them to wander around all those people saying to them, just hang on, trust us. And I've got some news. Some people right now, you're in a responsibility in a place where you have to sometimes get people to believe with you. You've got to go up to them and say, you've got to trust me. You've got to trust me because if God said it, you've got to trust me. And some people sometimes have to encourage others to believe in the same way. And so they wander around, and I can imagine some of these little bit arguments coming up. You know, you've got some who want to leave and some who want to remain. Sorry, I had to do that. Don't ask me what I, I think. Because I ain't telling you. Some want to leave, some want to go. I don't know if I want to stay, because I don't know whether I believe this. We've been listening to this Jesus. He sounds pretty good. I've seen some of the miracles. He's healed people. This is pretty awesome, but could he really do this? Some sit down. It, I, I question, we don't know. Did some get up and say, I don't know if I, could, I, I can do this, and they head off to the village? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know who decided to go. But what I want to say to you right now is don't get up and leave. Don't leave. Those who leave will never see the breakthrough. If you leave, all you've got is a breakthrough that's manufactured by your own strength. It relies on your own resources. It relies on what you have rather than what God has. And listen to me, God has what you need. Hallelujah. Praise God, I've not even got going yet. He feeds the 5,000. And it shows us that if he can do that, he can feed you. The Bible says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Come on. So many of us are worrying about tomorrow because we think we can control tomorrow. You can't control tomorrow. Tomorrow's not in your hands. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is in control of tomorrow. He's the God of tomorrow. He's the God of 2020. He's the God of the years ahead. My life is in his hands, the little bit that I have. And the Bible says, my life is but a vapor. 
I'm coming to realize that the older I get, I'm thinking, wow, I don't know when my time is up. But one thing I do know is this, that I will serve the Lord all the days of my life. Come on, I'm not here trying to preach a little message to you to make you happy. Do you realize that I don't know if I've got the rest of this week to live? This might be the last sermon you ever hear me preach. I'm not worried to say that because it's the truth. The Bible says it's appointed to every man to die and then face judgment. Come on, accept it. You've got death coming. But then you've got a new life because there's a covenant that's made for you. It was bought on Calvary by Jesus. Number one is this, that God's invitation seeks a heart of desperation. We sung it this morning. I don't even know what we were going to be Singing, I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you. You can say that with your mouth and sing it with a nice tune and a keyboard in the background, but is your heart desperate for God? That's the question. Are you desperate for him to to, to come into your situation, to come into that place? And some of you right now, you're saying, I'm not desperate enough. The invitation is this, come. Uh, I, I, do you know, when I, what started me with this word, I said, Lord, what do you want me to preach this week? And I don't normally always get this, but the Lord said to me, I want you to preach because people, are hung, people need to be hungry and thirsty for me and come to me. Come to me. And then I felt the Lord say, if people come, they will eat from my feast. That's what I heard the Lord say. They will eat from my feast. And then I just began to study and began, the Lord began to speak to me more and more. But the Lord said this. I particularly heard the Lord say to me, feast. I want to give them my feast. And I just felt some people don't have access to this because they don't believe it. They don't believe that God has the ability to do this. And I just want to raise your faith today. I want to just stir up that faith within you to say again, God has a feast for me. It's been paid for. It's unlimited. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. Some of us are saying, no, I'm without money. I'm without cost. I haven't got anything. Can't do this. I'm without. You're not without anything. The Bible says that your life is hidden with Christ. Stop saying the words, I am without. You're not without. You're with him. You're seated in heavenly realms. Oh, but I'm with. You're not without. Stop using the light. You're never without when you're with God. You're never without. We just got to come with a heart of desperation. I want to remind you today of in Mark chapter 7, there's a Syro, Syrophoenician woman who comes. And she goes to Jesus at this one particular instance when Jesus is in a place. And she goes and she's not a Jew. And she goes to meet with Jesus because she has a particular issue with her daughter who's demon-possessed. And this woman goes, and can I just say that Jesus, it says in in Mark chapter 7, that Jesus did not want people to know he was even in the house he was staying in. He, He went to this house, and he didn't want anyone to know. Why? Because he was in an area, the area he was in, he didn't want people to have attention and attraction to what he was doing. And then this woman decides to go to the house to ask Jesus to set her daughter free from a demon. Now, two things is that Jesus would not even, he shouldn't, even if he, he wants to, he shouldn't be entering in the house of one of these women who's not a Jew at the time. And equally, if he was in a Jewish house and the woman come and knocked on the door, she shouldn't have been coming and knocking. This is enough to get on the headlines of the news. Either way, he shouldn't meet this woman. She shouldn't come near him, and he shouldn't go to any house that associates with them. And, and he's in this place, and, and it says that this woman comes. Let's read it in verse 26. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia, and it says this. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Now, some of us don't like Jesus' response. Because he says this, first let the children eat all they want. And he's talking about the Jews. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. 
Jesus is not so meek and mild here, is he? He's not so politically correct here. But what he says to her is this. He says, it's not for you. I've come for the, for the children of Israel. I've come for, for the Jews. It's not for you. In fact, you shouldn't even be here asking me. It's wrong for you to even come in my vicinity. And so she's breaking all these cultural and these rules that they have. But yet she comes and begs for something that she needs. Because she knows Jesus can do it. She replies this, verse 29. Sorry, 28. She replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Wow. Jesus did not just call her her dog. He said this, he said, for the reply you've given, in other words, you've said this. You've come in here and you didn't try and pretend you were a Jew. You didn't try and pretend and try and force your identity on me. Do you know what currency she used? Not identity, she used humility. Can I just say to you today, some of us, sometimes, we're trying to prove to God our identity of why we should have what we should have. Can I say that you need to get rid of that because that's called a spirit of entitlement. It's a spirit of entitlement that says that you deserve what you deserve. Listen to me, I've got news for you, you don't deserve anything. He did everything on the cross for you. You don't deserve anything. If I don't get anything from God, I'm not in the bless me club that needs something from God all the time. No, I, I believe God did everything for me on the cross by sending his son. He's already paid the price. That's enough for me to the day I die. I don't need anything else. Come on, stop, stop looking. That I understand God loves blessing people and he will. But that's not the goal. The goal is to keep your eyes fixed on him. The goal is to keep your eyes fixed on the one who paid the biggest debt you had. Do you know what the devil sometimes, do you know what the the biggest tactics he uses to get you to forget that it was a big debt? So you think it was insignificant. But let me tell you, it's the most significant thing he did. And so she believes and she says, even the dogs under the table get the crumbs. She was saying, I'm happy with the crumbs. I'm happy happy to take the crumbs if I have to. I'll take the leftovers. I'll take the bits that no one wants. Because I know, I know that if I have a crumb, that's just something. A crumb will do something for my daughter. Because I've heard about you and I've seen you. Do you know what I, I really believe was happening here? Jesus was using this illustration. Saying the perspective of who she was in that culture to let the people see who he was with, that this is how you get my attention. Humility. I've got some news for you. If the Lord rebukes you, get even more humble. (laughs) Oh no, in this day and age, you know what's happening right now? If someone said that to you, you'd stand up and say, you can't speak to me like that. Some of us don't even want to be rebuked by God. We don't even want to be challenged by God. God can't challenge me. No one judges me. You know, we're in that kind of mentality. Listen to me. You've got to be challenged by God and sometimes it's going to hurt. But you've got to get humble. So what she does is she says, hang on a minute. I know that that's what you're saying, but I'm going to show you something, Jesus, because I'm going to come to you and I'm going to come on my knees. And I'm going to be humble before you and let you see that I see who you are. And then she gets the answer. Do you know what? She didn't get a crumb. She got more than a crumb. He didn't even have to go to the house to see the girl. He says, go. She's free. That's not a crumb. That's better than a crumb. She says, come. You know, I want you to help me, my daughter. She would have wanted to come and drive the thing out. But he says, go right now, it's already done. You see, when you believe in him and you put your trust in him, he'll go bigger than the crumbs. Some of you are just thinking, well, if I just get a little crumb. Listen, God has something bigger than the crumbs for you. And he wants to bring release into the situations that you have. Humility became a currency rather than identity. Hallelujah. James 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud but shows 
favor to the humble. He opposes the proud, but shows favor, favor to the humble. We must protect ourselves from this spirit of entitlement that says, I got to have something. Oh, I've got an identity. I'm a Christian now. I've been serving the Lord for all these years. I gave, Lord, remember that time when I gave that big donation and I did that? Remember that, that year I did that? In the past, Lord, well, you deserve to get me out of this situation right now. Listen to me. God deserves to give you nothing. It's not about what you've done in the past. It's not about, oh, you know, this is me. This is my identity. Do you know my, my son this week when he started secondary school? It's amazing what a new uniform for secondary school changes a person. And he went there three days. He came back demanding everything around the house. It's like he's, he's like 11 going on 18 in one week with a uniform. He came in the house and he's like a completely different child. Where has my child gone since we were at your sushi? He's changed. Dad, get me a glass of water. No, get it yourself. Get it yourself. The tap's there. You know, just walk in the kitchen, get, get the water. Some of us, we get an identity. Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm entitled. I deserve. You don't deserve anything. Stop walking around with this uniform. The only uniform you need to be walking around with is a uniform. You need to be clothed with Christ, the power of Christ, an ambassador for Christ, laying your life down, dying to sin, and laying your life down, crucifying the flesh, and each day saying, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you've saved my life. I don't deserve anything else. It's your blood. That cleansed me and washed me and set me free. Hallelujah. Come on. Some of us are walking around. I deserve a position in the church. I deserve. I'm waiting for my time. Listen. Those who wait for their time will never get it. Just wait on him. Wait on him. Love him. Love Jesus. Oh, but I deserve it. No, you don't. He did everything for you. In Matthew 20, verse 20, the mother asks the sons of Zebedee, come on, Jesus, can they get a good seat in the kingdom? When it comes, they need a really good seat because they're really special. These are the sons of thunder. These guys, you need to give them a good place. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Some of you, your request is not always the best. Some of you right now, oh, I'm asking Jesus to do this for me. And do you know why you're not getting it? Because he's got something better for you. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's the place I want. No, 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 no. He says, I've got something better. You can't see what I can see. <laughs> look to me. Don't look to the situation. Trust me. You don't know what you're asking. You don't know what you're asking. Don't let the labels, the failures, and the things that are on you right now. And that woman comes to Jesus. She's not a Jew. Don't let the disappointment stop you from begging him. Some people don't like begging Jesus. You've not received because you've not asked. Ask him with a heart, not with a motive for yourself, but to say, God, I want your will, not mine. I want your will. Not mine. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. Jesus says this. Come to me. All. Listen. All. Did you get that? Not just the, the select few. All who are weary. Because he realizes we all get a bit tired and a bit down with life. All who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Holy Spirit right now. Stir in my heart. And the hearts of your people, the desire to come to you. To stop trying to do it ourselves. To come to you, Lord. Because I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm heavy burdened. If you are today, come to him. Come to him. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. Number two is today that God's intelligence Grows in a heart of obedience. God's intelligence grows in a heart of obedience. Isaiah 55 verse 2 says this. God says, through Isaiah, listen, listen 
to me and eat what's good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Wow. You could just preach on that alone, that line. Come on. Listen to me. He says it twice. Listen. Listen to me. Stop listening to other people. Stop trying to work it all out yourself. Listen to me and eat what's good. And you'll delight in the richest affair. But some of us now, we're trying to do it all our own way. We don't want. We don't want to do it God's way sometimes. You know, when I began going to the gym and trying to get exercise and lose weight at the beginning of the year, someone sent me a video and he said, check these 10 top tips of losing weight. And I watched this YouTube clip. And you know when they count down 10 and they get number one, which is the best one. So you're waiting for number one. I feel like scrapping all the other nine. I want to get to number one. I want to know what the key one is. But I'll keep watching. And I kept watching. And they showed different exercises. And I'm like, I've got that one. Yeah. I'm going to do that one. I'm going to do that one. Number two. Yeah, I'm going to try that one. I'm trying to remember all these things to do. And then it gets to number one. And I'm waiting for the big finale. The big exercise that I'm going to try and perfect so I can lose some weight. Number one, the guy comes on with a salad and he says, eat well. (laughs) I've just watched that for 10 minutes. All these things, I I can cope with that. I can cope with the, 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 the things you want me to do in the gym. Eat well. Come on, that's not even an exercise, man. You can't say eat well at the end. I've just waited to number one. And you've stood there with a salad of all things. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. <laughs> salad. He said, listen. He said, you can do all the other nine. He says, but if you don't get this right, it doesn't work. Oh, please. Say it again. Is there another YouTube clip that says something different? No, no, no. Because the, the, the key is this. You've got to do both. No point trying to work out and not eat well as well. And some of us, we, we, what we do is we, we say, God says this. You, when you get my wisdom and my intelligence in a situation to do things and to live the life I've got for you so that you'll break through. Because this is how you get breakthrough when you just do what God says. Don't just pray for breakthrough. Do what he says. And so when you, when you believe that and you're believing for it, The key is this. Do you know something? God will give his wisdom to you absolutely free. It's like the guy in the restaurant. It's free, mate. You can have as much as you want. The the Bible says this in James chapter 4. Where is it? Let's have a look. In James, sorry, James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously, check this out, to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. What does that tell you? It says that God is willing to give you wisdom, intelligence from him, direct download, with even though you're a sinner, without finding fault. He's not going to say, no, hang on a minute. Remember that thing you did this week? You did that, so that means you can't have my wisdom. No, he says, without fault, there's nothing that will stop the flow. This is the key. There is, there's nothing to stop the flow of his wisdom. It's unlimited. It's on tap. It's there. The key is how it will grow because wisdom is absolutely useless if never applied. Do you know that your Bible, it's the power of God, it's the Word of God, it has enough to change, transform someone when they read it. But listen, this has not been putting the Word of God down. If that is just sat on your shelf, it has no power in your life. It only has power when you read it and you apply the Word of God. Oh, but you can't say that about the Word of God. My Bible, it's powerful. Yeah, but is it sat on the shelf? It's only powerful when it's absorbed in your life and applied in your life. First Kings chapter 3, King Solomon asks for wisdom. He's got it together. He could have had all the things he asked for and he says, I want wisdom. Why? Because he realized that God's wisdom is the most powerful thing. Do you, know what, do you know what the politicians need right now? The wisdom of God. That's all they need. Oh, we don't need that. You, that's all you need. We know it. You know it. God's wisdom. The creator of heaven and earth. 
We can ask for wisdom. And it says in 1 Kings 3 that King Solomon, he asked for wisdom. He asked for this from God. God grants him it. And we see that through his life, he had the ability to lead a nation, to do what he did for God. But there were things in his life also that were falling apart. Because he didn't apply the wisdom to every area of his life. And his wives began to kind of affect him, get him to worship other gods. Before you know it, there are fragments of his life falling apart. Do you realize that you can have all the flow of God's wisdom come in your life, but if you don't apply in certain areas of your life, you'll not have victory in them. So today, this week, when you go out this week, just say, do you know what the most amazing thing is? Is that God will give you wisdom this week. And, And boy, don't just treat that as a small thing. That is powerful stuff. That is powerful. That God can give you the ability to see things the way he sees, to do things the way he does them. Jeremiah 15 verse 16 says this. Jeremiah says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Solomon didn't always do that. He wandered off and did some of the wrong things. And some of you today, you've had God's wisdom. You've done the wrong thing. You messed things up. Listen to me. God's always got another plan. In 1 Kings 11 verse 6, he says, Solomon, this is, a, this is a man who was granted wisdom. Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely. As David, his father, had done. Do you know we sung a song again earlier? You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my life. Take this life and breathe. Breathe on it, Lord. Breathe on it. Do you know why? Because if you make space for something to grow, so if you apply wisdom, it will grow. And, and you're saying, well, I don't know. Is it, how's it grow? Listen, Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 252 that he grew with wisdom and stature. He got favor with God and man. If it's good enough for Jesus that he grew in wisdom, why did he grow in wisdom? Because he applied, he applied what God said, the Father said to his life and obeyed his Father obedience will grow the intelligence that God gives you in order for you to live your life. You've got to let God grow that. Hallelujah. The flow of God's wisdom is never the problem. It's the growth of it. How does it grow in my life? You want to ask yourself that question today. You know, you can ask God for stuff, but say, God, am I applying this wisdom? I want to just show you something quickly, and I'm going to try and wrap up. But many of us quote this scripture a lot. Isaiah 55 verse 8. When we're going through tough situations, difficult situations that we're saying, you know, I don't understand why this is happening, but God's ways are higher and his thoughts and and everything is is different to mine. Isaiah 55 8 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. I just want to show you something because I don't believe God is referring to his strategic thoughts. He's referring to his pure thoughts in contrast to ours. In verse 7 before that, he says this, Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Then he says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. In other words, I am not unrighteous in my thinking like you are. And my ways are not like your ways that you keep messing up. I am perfect in every way. So he's not talking about strategic ways or thoughts. He's talking about, listen, if you come to me, if I'm going to download my wisdom that comes from my mind, my thoughts, my ways, it is going to require obedience to righteousness. It's the key. Oh no, I like the script. I like to just look at it like that God's, his ways are bigger than my ways, so he's going to sort it all out. No, his ways, his thoughts are pure and holy and righteous. So if you want the wisdom of God, what's it going to do? Challenge your unrighteousness. That's what it'll do. It's true. I'm just telling you the truth. The truth is it's just going to challenge your unrighteousness. That's where it has the ability to either stop or grow. If you want wisdom to grow like Jesus did in Luke chapter 252, this is how you do it. You say, God, 
I know that sometimes what you give me for free when I come to you and I come into your presence and you challenge me, you rebuke me in things, that the only way I'm going to get through life and going to see the victory is to obey you. Hallelujah. I put here that if we want God's ways in our life, and everyone wants God's way, we may need to change our way of life. How we live day by day. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 5, Joshua said this before they were going to cross the Jordan to defeat Jericho. He says this, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord's going to do amazing things. In other words, there is something about God's ways, his thoughts, his plans that he has for you. There's an importance for us to get ourselves right because we need to consecrate ourselves. Well, you consecrate yourselves today in a different way. You come to Jesus who washes you by his blood. You say, God, forgive me of the stuff I've done wrong. I come and surrender to your will in my life. It's important that we realize that obedience will grow God's intelligence in our lives. And finally, number three. God's intervention pursues a heart of expectation. I want to just say to you today, are you expectant for God to break through in your situation right now? In the situations you find yourself in, are you expectant for God to do this? I want to read something to you. Isaiah 55 verse 10, it says this, as the rain, listen to this, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So, verse 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. What God is saying through this prophet as an analogy to us today is this, that look, every time you see it rain, and soon we will, every time you see it rain, every time you see it snow, and you see water falling from the sky, and you see it landing and producing seed and bread for the eater, that these things that fall down from heaven, listen, I want you to compare that to my word. I'm giving you an illustration of something that I've created to tell you that the same method, the same way my word falls and comes down. It comes out to you and it will accomplish. It will produce seed. It will produce bread for you. It will do things in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, but I, I see the rain fall, but sometimes I, I don't know whether God's word God's word is like that. It falls, you can't, listen, if it starts raining, you can't stop it. Not even the weather forecast can. Oh, it's raining. Well, it's raining. When I went away on holiday just the other week, I decided to go camping. I've been to your sushi, so I need to go camping. I went camping and I took my children there and we went because I avoided the rain in, I was supposed to go to the Lake District in the north of England and 24 hours before I checked the weather forecast and it said it's going to rain a whole week. I thought, I am, I am not going with a tent for, for nine days in the rain. Forget it. So I looked for the sunshine and I went to where the sun was. For a whole week we enjoyed the sun in a tent and I bought this, this tent second hand on eBay and the man told me, said, I've only, I bought it a year ago. It's brand new. It's never been used. One lady owner. Never used. It's been looked after. And I went down to London to collect this tent. He gives me the tent and I, and I trusted him. It, it looked brand new. He said, I bought it a year ago. Never believe everything that people tell you on eBay. A whole week we were in the tent. Sunshine blazing. We didn't go to the Lake District. So I'm, I'm enjoying this. And uh, I get towards the end of the week, the, 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 the night before the last night, wake up in the morning, my son Jacob says to me, Dad, I'm wet through. It rained in the night, which I'd heard it. And I said, what do you mean? And I, I straight away, you know, I jumped on him, I shouted at him, I said, listen, it must be because you touched the sides of the tent, that's why it's wet. He said, no, Dad, look at the bed. I looked, it was swimming in water. So I walked out of the tent, get into the main bit of the tent, look, and all the clothes are wet, everything's wet. Wherever I stood was water. You know when you just do not know what to do? You're like, what do I do? I'm, I'm five hours from home. And I just thought, what, what next? So I said, kids, just 
you need to just hang on a minute. They said, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. And I'm wandering around thinking, how on earth? We've got one more day left here. Do we go or do we stay? So I spent a whole day waterproofing the tent. I went down to the local supplier. I said, I need some waterproofing gear. He said, you can put this on when it's wet. Just stick the stuff on. And I spent, listen, I spent a whole day putting waterproof on this tent. And I did it all. And I thought, I hope this thing's going to work. And at, the, and, and at the end of the trip, we did another night there. And thankfully, oh, <laughs> glory to God. That night, it was like water off a duck's back. It was dripping off. And I'm like, wow, it's worked. This barrier has stopped the water from getting in. The Lord spoke to me the other day. He said this. Do you know there are some people. There are some people who don't allow my word to penetrate their heart. They have put a protective barrier. They've put a repellent, a waterproof field around them for my word and my water in their life. They don't want it. Because they want to do it their own way. And God said to me this. He said, how you dealt with that, you protected it and you were happy. And some people are happy with their lives that they don't have my word penetrating their hearts. And changing what they do in their actions. I want to say to you today, it's time to remove the barriers. It's time to remove the waterproofing of our lives. And allow, just like the rain falls down from heaven, to penetrate every area of my life. And your life. So that we walk in his ways. Hallelujah. The promise is this. And I come to a close. The worship team can come back. Isaiah 55, 12 says. You will go out with joy. And be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills will burst into song before you. And I feel like bursting into song. But I'm not. Because it's an old classic. And all the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Listen to me, people. When you allow his word to penetrate your life, when you do that, you don't create barriers and say, no, I don't know if I need God's word. There's a better way of doing this. It will not get into every area. Listen, it saturated everything we had in our, home, in our tent. My clothes, our seats. You've got to let God saturate your life. Let him get into everything. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my life, where I sit, where I sleep, where I stand, where I go, what I eat, let it be saturated. I'm thirsty. I come to you. I tried it my own way. It didn't work. I tried it my own way. And it didn't work. The last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, says this. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. Come, 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 come. That's the message today. Come, come. Stop creating barriers. Come. Come to me, some of you right now. You, you know, you're sat there maybe and saying, you know, I've heard a kind of message like this before. I don't care whether you've heard it five times, six times, 20 times, 100 times. doesn't matter. doesn't matter whether you heard it in a different way. doesn't matter. Because the Lord wants to speak to people today. He's saying to you, come. It's not about me. Look, the message, I deliver it. I'm, I'm giving you the word today that I believe is from God to you. But some of you can have this kind of attitude of, I'm not listening to you today. I'm not... You don't realize my situation? I don't. The attitude's off. Listen to me. Drop the attitude. It's not about me. It's, it's about you. It's about your life, your relationship with God. God just wants to do something new and fresh. You're wondering why everything can't work out in your life? Listen, I, I ask myself the same question every day. Don't think I've got a perfect life. Don't ever look at me like I've got to think I've got a perfect life because I ain't got a perfect life and I won't till the day I die. But one thing I do is keep trusting my God. You know, many times when I'm worshiping the Lord and I'm down here at the front, do you know what I do? I remind myself of the days when I was really young in church and I give my life to Jesus many years ago. And it was just all about Him. Sometimes you've got to come back to the cross. You've got to come back and say, God, I've created so much barriers in my life. 
Just let it absorb. Let it come. Let it come. Let him fill you again. The reason when he speaks to the woman in John chapter 4, the well, and he says about a water is because he's talking about a water that can come. It's like a spring. Some of you have lost that spring. You're going to a well every day trying to sort stuff out. You've got to stop going to the well. Come to the water of life. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.